ladies, it's Brittany Brazel. The Lord has given me a passion for motherhood and homemaking. From that passion, a ministry has birthed no higher calling. There is no higher calling on my life than to be wife to Simeon and mama to my littles. I still have so much to learn, but as I continue to grow, it is my desire to share the truths God is teaching me. Welcome back to another episode of the No Higher Calling podcast. Uh, We're going to talk about a fun episode today, something that I've kind of been chewing on this idea, this topic for a long time. I've read several different things that have kind of spoken to this, and it was brought to my memory again, and I thought, you know what, we're just going to tackle it on the podcast because it's a really good conversation. Um, You know, as moms or as parents, I think one of the things that we dread to hear come out of our children's mouth is the two words, I'm bored. And it usually comes in a very whiny tone, um, a very uh, aggravating, grating tone. And, uh, you know, we tend to just slough it off. Well, you know, sorry, go find something to do. Well, if you're bored, I've got a list of things you can work on. Um, But in this episode, we're going to tackle the idea of the gift of boredom. Is boredom? Being bored, is boredom really a bad thing? Should it be something that we avoid like the plague as parents? Um, I do feel like kind of in our generation today, boredom is something that we kind of avoid at all costs. And this isn't just talking about um, for our children. This is talking about us as adults in general. I mean, when is the last time that you went... Uh, anywhere, when you went out to dinner, when you were waiting at the doctor's office, when you're standing in line at the grocery store, just name it. Uh, People don't know how to just be anymore. You can't wait 10 or 15 minutes for somebody to bring you your food at a restaurant. You can't wait at the doctor's office. Um, You know, you can't wait in line at the grocery store. We have to be stimulated. And that is just what our culture is so centered around is this constant overstimulation. Um, we don't know how to just kind of be bored anymore. Um, that feels like such a foreign uh, thing to be avoided at all costs. And then we have these handy little technological advices. You know, we've got cell phones, we've got iPads, we've got you name it um, at our fingertips that immediately erase the boredom. Um, it's just such a temptation there that we have lost this art, this gift of boredom. And so I wanted to tackle this topic a little bit and dig in and really just have this conversation of why is boredom a gift? And if we're going to call it a gift, uh, should this be something that we allow to be a little more present in our lives and in the lives of our children? And if so, why? Why is that important? Um, so we just we live in a world that is bombarded with options, and because of the options, because of the technology, because of the constant stimulation everywhere, um, we are j- all of our senses are like a buzz. Um, but boredom is really one of the greatest gifts that you can give to a child, and we're going to unpack that and figure out why. Um, But I was reading a book recently by Ainsley Arment, and she said, if only we could be content with ourselves long enough to make it through the desert of boredom into the oasis of imagination and creativity. 
So that's really a great place to spring into this topic because that's what we're going to talk about. Boredom is not the end result. Boredom is merely a door. It is merely a portal through which if you are willing to endure the awkwardness of boredom, the other side of boredom is so often, if not always, imagination and creativity. Now I get sometimes in life, you know, they're just in in the grocery store, you don't have the time to wade through that desert of boredom to get to the other side of imagination and creativity. There are some things in life that just require you to just be bored for a little bit. And, um, you know, I'm not saying that that means that every time we're sitting in the doctor's office for an hour waiting on ourselves to finally be called, um, that you shouldn't be doing something or that it's wrong. Um, you know, if you want to use technology, if you want to use that time to read or whatever, go for it. But I'm just drawing our attention to the reality that so often we negate anything that leads uh, to just to boredom and just uh, making the kind of the awareness and the appeal of let's analyze this. Um, and especially as we're going to be talking about children in specifically or uh, children specifically, um, about how that boredom can be a gift to them. And I started with us as the parents because we model for them. And if we model to them a parent that always has to be stimulated, then rightfully so, they're going to think that they constantly have to be stimulated. Um, But in my parenting, I am realizing I don't want them to constantly be stimulated. And I have been able to see the reality and the fruit of them wading through this desert of boredom and getting to the other side and reaching that oasis and finding out how refreshing and inspiring that is to their soul and to the creativity and individuality and to the imagination of the person that they are. So uh, that's what I really wanted to just talk about in this episode. Um, The author Margaret Wise Brown, who you might know as the author of the sweet classic children's book, Good Night Moon, says, In this modern world where activity is stressed almost to the point of mania, quietness as a childhood need is too often overlooked. Yet a child's need for quietness is an essential part of all awareness. In quiet times and sleepy times, a child can dwell in thoughts of his own and in songs and story of his own. So it is it is a repetitive thing as I was studying through um, different people that have just been smart, who have been known for amazing accomplishments or other wise people the reality that sometimes to get to the creative side to open the imagination to release it Uh, we're currently reading Anne of Green Gables and she talks about having endless scopes of the imagination you know not everybody is born Anne of Green Gables not everybody has children that are Anne of Green Gables Um, but we want our children to have imaginations Because imagination is what spurs the creativity, whether that is creativity um, in so many facets. You could have artistic creativity. Um, You could have writing, um, you know, in in imaginative play, in so many things. And and I have little children, so I'm really thinking about that age group specifically. Um, But there have been many times where my kids run up to me and they say, you know, mom, I'm bored. And they almost stand there waiting for me to give them an activity or give them like the nudge of, okay, well, let's do this or let's move to that. Um, And I just say no. I'm like, 
figure out something to do. And, you know, they flounder for a little bit. They stumble. Um, but they find their footing. And next thing I know, um, you know, just the other day, my older two were out in the backyard. We have some wasps nests in our fence that we're dealing with. And we've went through all the safety precautions of staying away. Um, but they decided that they were going to be entomologists. And so they ran inside and got all their books that they had on bugs. And they take them in the backyard. And, you know, my oldest has a little notebook that she's sketching out the wasp. And, um, you know, they're they're learning and playing. They bring out their microscope and they're looking at all their little slides to see if they have one about a wasp. Um, but, you know, that would not have happened if I would have structured every moment of every day. I wouldn't have thought to just sit around and stare at the wasps in the fence. Um, If anything, mommy's like on the other side of the yard staying far away from them. But um, that's just one example where I have seen them kind of complain at first, but then work through it and their imaginations have soared. Uh, My oldest is really, really good at this. Uh, She is just a unique kid. She is very imaginative, very creative, Um, but she does come up with that roadblock or she'll come up to me um, with a problem. She's, you know, wanting to make something outside. She's always making things out of nature. You know, she wanted to make a basket out of grass and she wanted my tape. And I might say, you know, hey, no, uh, yesterday you used all of my tape on a craft project and we can't go through one roll of tape a day. So we're not going to do tape today. Well, you know, then it's just this meltdown ensues. Well, I can't make my basket if I don't have tape. No, let's just find a creative way to solve the problem a different way. And she knows by now um, that oftentimes that's mommy's answer is just think of a creative way. And sometimes she'll even smirk at me now like, I knew you were going to say that. But back outside she goes. And before I know it, I go out and she literally has like woven little pieces of, of clover flowers together to make this basket. And I'm like, look. You were creative and you came up with something that was so much cooler than using tape. Again, just one small and seemingly insignificant, maybe silly example. Um, But just where I've seen in, in my own life, in my own daily living, this proven true. Um, and, and every time I stand back a little amazed, like, wow, it, it really is amazing. Um, and, A quote that I read from the book, Let Them Be Kids by Jessica Smart. She has a whole chapter devoted to the gift of boredom. Um, But she says this. She says, there, referring to this generation, is a bunch of guinea pigs, plain and simple. There has not yet existed a generation who played Mickey Mouse Clubhouse on an iPhone during every single doctor's appointment of their lives. No one has yet made it to adulthood who learned to read on an iPad app or got selfie likes in the fifth grade. We just don't know what this early stimulation does to the brain, heart, or mind. And the little we do know is rather alarming. And that is so true. If you start looking into statistics of how much time children spend stimulated. I mean, I I did an episode with Sarah Boots from Altogether Lovely talking about mothering in the digital age. I'll actually link that down in the comments here. Um, but I believe that she shared the statistic that uh, the the average age of introduction to TV was like four months old. I mean, that's like a that's a baby. Um, it's just it's wild how overstimulated our world and culture is, and yet we ask ourselves, 
well, where are the geniuses of today? Where are the Einsteins? Where are the the adults that are growing up with purpose, with drive, with creativity, with imagination, and with a determination to make a stamp on this world? We we're losing that in the generations that we are having coming. They wanna they wanna ride the coattails of the generations that forged before them. Um, but we are losing these innovators, these inventors, um, these dreamers, these developers. And uh, this is no better seen than in this quote that I read, this study done in 2019 by the Harris Poll. They asked 3,000 kids ages 8 to 12 to choose from five professions, astronaut, musician, professional athlete, teacher, or YouTuber. In China, 56% made astronaut the top choice. In America, it was YouTuber. Um, that's a little sad and alarming on many fronts. Uh, one, just the reality of the situation. But two, in the fact that for all the faults that China has, they obviously have some priority on education uh, that is lacking in the States. And just, you know, all that aside, I want my children to be fully equipped and fully ready and just primed to fulfill the purpose that God created them for. And I do think that accepting boredom as a gift can play a very big part in that. Um, And we're going to talk in a minute about how you don't want them to be bored all the time. You don't want them to have no direction all the time. There is a time for structure. But in these wading through that boredom and learning how to navigate boredom and on getting to the other side of boredom where creativity lives and thrives, um, this is really where the, the person of our children is developed, is, is born, is lit a fire. You know, these passions where they realize, I enjoy this. You know, I'm good at this. This is what I do well. Maybe I was created for this. That's where all of this is born. So let's talk a little bit practical. Okay, what does this mean? What does this look like? You've given me these stats. You've given me these quotes. You've given me your own personal opinion. Now let's let's like synthesize this and make this work in real life. So if you're wondering, um, do we have a problem with this? Do we not see boredom as a gift? These are a couple of things you can do. So first you can analyze the structured activities that your children participate in. And I think that is another thing um, really that we may not see as overstimulation because it's not technology driven or screen driven. Kids aren't just vegging. Um, But the reality that so many kids are involved in so many things um, could, could be a hindrance to them. Um, I knew a family one time where their daughter was literally in like piano lessons and gymnastics and swim lessons and dance. And it was almost every night of the week. She was in some type of extracurricular thing. Sometimes, um, you know, it was multiple extracurricular things back to back in the evenings. And that was on top of already, you know, being sitting at a desk from eight to three. Um, and you know, every family's going to have different priorities and different things that you want to do. And I'm not saying pull your kids from our, all lessons. You know, we have our kids, our kids are in swim lessons. Our kids are in piano lessons, but you analyze and see 
how much structured activity time do your children have? Is that crowding out room for free play, for creativity, um, for this time to be bored, to have free time? The next thing is spend time as a family for unscheduled play and rest. How often do you do that? How often do you not have an agenda? Is it not a movie night um, where you just, we're going to have a family day. We're just going to see where the day takes us. Or we're going to go out on a hike and, um, you know, we're not going to try to rush through it so that we can get home and get to the next thing. Um, but we're just going to walk, you know, that's something that Simeon and I are working on. We, we walk a lot. We hike a lot. We enjoy being outside. Um, but our kids are a very different pace than we are. And that is not due to ability and endurance. Often they can out hike. Well, at least they could out hike me. They probably couldn't out hike Simeon. But in my pregnant state, they could out hike their mama. Um, but their pace is slow because they are so immersed in the wonder of the of the just freedom to be out in nature. You know, they are noticing the butterfly or the slug or the moss or the sticks, things that we had completely overlooked because we our mind is set on walking the path, but their minds are being let loose. There is nature all around me. What can I explore? Um, and that has been something that we're having to realize like, okay, well, slow down. The purpose of the activity is to slow down, is to connect, is to be together as a family. So if they want to spend 30 minutes ooing and aahing over this caterpillar, then we need to be okay with that. Um, but how, how often do you do things like that as a family? Do you spend that unstructured time together for play and for rest? And then the next one is just fostering times when the whole family is intentionally not going to use technology. And again, this is going to look different for every family. Um, but I do think it's a great idea to have parameters for these are times where technology has no part of our family or of our home. Um, for us, it's pretty much mealtime. Don't even bring your phone to mealtime. Now, we, it's Simeon and I are the only ones that have phones, and we hope to keep it that way for many, many years in the future. Um, but even for us, like I said earlier, we have to have these structures in place as adults because we're modeling for our children. But phones don't belong at mealtime. That's a family time. That's when we sit down together. They don't belong. Um, you know, that could look different for you. Maybe it's just dinner. Um, maybe it's after 8 p.m. or a certain time in the evening where you say, okay, phones, we're done. We're spending time with just us, family, hobbies, whatever. Um, a lot of people say Sunday is tech-free. No phones on Sunday. Now, we're in ministry, so, you know, that's a little different. We're, <laughs> we're often uh, using our phones. But even in this, it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't, you know, take a picture on your phone or make an essential phone call or send a text to somebody that the Lord just put back on your mind. Um, but maybe this is restrictions and, okay, I'm not going to just aimlessly scroll. I'm not going to get on social media. I'm not going to work on work emails, something like that, giving specific boundaries. And, you know, that whatever that needs to look like for your family, but it's something to think through. Um, do we need to have more of those times or maybe uh, start having some of those times, period? I want to transition into a little bit, just talking about some ideas of how can we cultivate this gift of boredom um, in our homes, into our rhythms, into the lives of our children. And I think the first thing to do that you could do is to establish a daily quiet time. I'll post another episode down in the comments that I did on uh, having a quiet time rhythm. Um, but from every day, from 1.30 to 3, that is our quiet time in our home. Now, the littles nap. 
Um, and sometimes my older ones, you know, we might be listening to an audiobook or they might have a few school things that they're wrapping up. But for the most part, it's free time for them. Um, so even the time that is a little bit structured, like, okay, maybe my oldest might have 15 minutes of reading time, but this is reading time that I'm not picking the book. She is picking of her own volition from our library, whatever you want to indulge your mind in, go for it. Um, and then after that, the majority of the rest of that time is spent in just free play. What do you want to do? What do you, do you want to craft? Craft. Do you want to go outside? Go outside. Um, but having a rhythm in our home of that daily quiet time, most of this boredom leading to imagination and creativity haps, happens in that portion of our day because that is our unstructured, that is our free play time of the day. Um, that's when my kids are outside deciding they want to be entomologists. Um, but that happens. But just as important as it is to have this free time, kids also, you need to create this normalcy uh, for adventure. Kids need time not being bored to enjoy being bored. Um, so kind of, this is seems like a, the opposite end of the spectrum, but as important as it is to give them the gift of boredom, you want to give them the gift of adventure. And you want to have also structured time here too. Um, so yes, all right, maybe you're kind of bored and you're not sure what to do, but we also have days where we are packed with fun things, where we're out as a family, where we're at the beach, where we're doing fun things at home, where we're playing games. So it's not like, oh, well, you just have to go be bored forever. Bye. No, we have this balance of adventure and boredom so that when they're bored, they appreciate the adventure. When they're adventuring, they appreciate the free time where they have a little more say in what they do. And also cultivating a rhythm that includes the free time intermixed with activity so that they know they aren't on their own for too long. Um, if the boredom feels like this endless desert, they will get weary, they will get parched, and they might fall over before they make it to the oasis. Uh, just continuing on with this beautiful illustration of the desert. Um, so there does need to be times in their day that are structured, that they know, hey, I'm not going to be just kind of aimlessly trying to figure out what I'm going to do to fill my time forever. And I think that's sometimes where uh, the whole summer break things come into play. I remember when I was a child and we would have, you know, your two months back then, it was closer to three months almost, off from school. The beginning of summer was great because you had an overabundance of the gift of adventure. I mean, you're just going to the pool, you're going to the park, you're doing all the things, all of a sudden you have all this free time, and you have limitless ideas of what to do with it. But that quickly fizzles out, usually by like week two or three. Um, and then you look at this looming summer ahead of you, and you're like, I'm bored. What am I going to do? And I think that's why when we come to August or September, parents can be so like, oh, finally they're back to school because they don't have to hear, I'm bored, I'm bored every day. Um, well, it's good to have this balance here. Some structure, some free time, some structure so that your kids don't feel like there's no end to the boredom. Um, what does that look like for us? So on the average day that we're home, which is most days because you know what? I just, I am, I have four little children, six and under. I am about to have another baby. And for me and the kiddos, this season is pretty much home. And I'm okay with that. Actually, I quite love that. Um, we're fully embracing home and finding that in and of itself to be a gift. Um, but our mornings, usually from kind of wake up, 
to lunch is our very structured time. We have a rhythm. We go from one subject to the next. That's our homeschooling time. Um, That's when we have structured activities. That's when they know they have a 30-minute break where they're going to play outside. But that afternoon, that quiet time, that free time, is when all of a sudden it then opens up, and instead of mom saying, hey, okay, we're going to do Play-Doh. Now we're going to do this. Now we're moving on to homeschooling. Um, They have the freedom to say, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to play. This is where, you know, the things that I want to spend my time with. And then they also know though, that once the three o'clock quiet time is over, that's when everybody gets up. And then we have somewhat of a structure, but not as structured in the morning. So in the afternoon, we often do read alouds or we'll play outside or we will do a game. Um, But these are still, it's a lot more fun, a lot more interactive, not so heavy like school emphasis. Um, But it is still a little more structured than just that hour and a half where I say, hey, this is mommy's work time. This is mommy's reading time. This is mommy's nap time. You go and do something. Just please be safe while you're doing it. (laughs) So just the reality to kind of have um you have a balance here in all of this find that balance um then the third thing is to attend to basic needs and i think this is something that i'm learning in my parenting especially as having little kids um oftentimes when they're whiny when they're cranky when they're just you know i'm bored i'm bored i'm bored i have to think okay is is there a basic need that has not been attended to are they tired do they just really need to go take a nap um are they hungry do they need water it's getting really hot here in australia now and i've found that if i don't keep their waters fully filled whining begins. Um, So sometimes it's not necessarily the boredom itself that they're having to navigate through. It's the fact that they have a basic need that needs to be met, but they're just little and they don't fully, aren't fully aware, comprehending what that is. So as mama, I've just got to make sure that we've got these basic needs attended to. The next one is to provide open options for their discovery. And this can look different based on what your family values are, what your family culture is, um, but have options for them that are open-ended. So for example, for us, we have tried to keep our toys very open-ended, very creative. We love Legos. We love magnetiles. And we love any toy that can do more than like one action figure thing. You know, things that are are very open-ended. We love books. We have a family culture of books and reading and love for literature. So we have a very vast library. Um, My oldest is my researcher one. So you know what? When she has that free time and I say, hey, you've got 15 minutes of reading, go pick whatever you want. There's a feast of things that she can pick from on that shelf. Now that wasn't compiled overnight. That's been years of collecting, Um, but that might be something that you want to think about. What are our book options? What do we have? Um, you know, maybe outdoors. What are your outdoor options? Are you providing things? You know, sometimes my kids, I can give them a bowl and a spoon. And two hours later, I look out, you know, and like, oh, they're still playing outside. And they're making soup. And, you know, my <laughs> one of my kids... Uh, 
gets the grass, like once it starts um, kind of like seeding at the top and flowering and they pull all the seeds off and that's their grain and they're like over there grinding their grain. They're going to make like pretend bread and um, you know that that's just when their creativity soars, having some options that help them to be a little open-ended. Um, and then just to sit back and the last thing is just watching their creativity and their relationship soar. Now that does not mean that every I'm bored ends in this really unique experience where I sit back and I have such a proud mom moment as I watch my kids be geniuses and everybody's getting along. Not every day looks like that. Actually, the majority of days do not. Um, but we are. This is a this is a muscle that we are learning to strengthen as we exercise this this really this boredom muscle and push through that and find what is the gifts that are waiting on the other side. So I hope this just gave you some really interesting, uh, something interesting to listen to, some ideas to think of where are we on the scale of accepting boredom? Have we waded through that? Have you seen the gift of that? I'd love to hear your own stories of how you've seen this play out in your life. But I want to end with one more thing, um, just a reality check for parents, kind of because I started with this, we'll end with this. This is another quote um, by Ainsley Arment, but she says, we've gradually lost the ability to sit alone with our our thoughts to be okay with inactivity, which is why it is imperative that we as parents fight to regain the ancient disciplines of solitude within our own households. The opportunity for downtime is one of the greatest gifts that we can offer our children. You know, growing up, my dad was, well, even now, he's still a huge fan of Andy Griffith. And you see those days where they just sat on the front porch and they had nothing better to do than just to talk, to catch up with the neighbors, to catch up with family, to watch Opie play. Um, and you think, oh, if we could just go back to those times. Well, what's holding us back from that? I get that life's different. I get that there are demands. Um, but that doesn't mean that we can't embrace some of the same, same things that, that previous generations valued um, before technology, before constant dinging and pinging entered into our lives. Um, and it, embrace slow. Embrace home. Embrace boredom and find the gifts that lie on the other side. Um, and to enjoy that ourselves um, and as we help our children uh, strengthen this muscle. So thanks so much for joining me on this episode. I look forward to joining you next time on the No Higher Calling podcast. I hope that the No Higher Calling podcast has been a blessing to you. If so, please subscribe, share with your friends, and engage with me on Instagram at nohighercalling underscore. You can also subscribe to receive the No Higher Calling encouragement email on my website, which is www.nohighercalling.org. This includes podcast notes, what I'm reading, spiritual encouragement, a glimpse into my home, and some of my favorite products and resources. You can also enjoy more content on the No Higher Calling YouTube channel. I pray that this podcast will encourage you to fall more in love with Jesus and to be the Christian woman he's called you to be. Thanks for listening.